Thank you for being here. It's great to have Brother and Sister Leatherwood with us tonight. Uh, they are doing a great work beginning a church in Manville. And I, I pray for them often, and we're glad that they can be in service with them. Next time he comes, he's going to have to preach. So just go ahead and get ready for that. I didn't know you was going to be here tonight or I've had you done it tonight. But since that's the case, you're going to get me one more time. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to pray at the end of our service today for our future. So don't, I'm not forgetting it. I just feel like we need to share with you what the Lord has laid on my heart today. And I pray that God will touch you. Aren't you glad to be in a country where you can still enjoy the level of liberty and freedom that you enjoy tonight? Amen. I'm, I'm afraid that we take so much of what we have for granted and I am, I am aggravated all the time, I've gotten to where I hardly even like to look at the news on the internet or listen to the news on the radio or any other means because I'm tired of hearing people trash our country as imperfect as it is. I'm glad I live in the country of the freedom that we enjoy and, and I, I still believe that it's It was begun as one nation under God, and it needs to continue to be one nation under God. Amen. And I think the only thing that's going to help make that possible again is what's going on in here tonight. I don't think the hope of our world is found in social programs, and it's certainly not found in another president or another party, but it is found in the living God who was at the foundation, evidence. They can deny all they want to, but they can't erase the facts of history. And I believe we remain great for the fundamental principles of the Word of God. And I believe we remain great when we understand that. But I'm glad to be in the, the, the land of the free. This coming Wednesday, our country will be celebrating its independence and I would say that for most people, it's just another holiday or an excuse to get drunk. But I'm thankful that I still live in a land where I have the freedom to worship and I have the freedom to praise. And I'm granted, our country has a lot of problems and a lot of flaws, and there are many critics and a lot of enemies. But as flawed as it is, It's the best place that I know of right now on this earth. The only other place I'd rather be is in heaven right now. Amen. I'm glad. I'm proud to be an American tonight. How about you? Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise one more time. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Verse number 12 says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt or confused, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Amen. What meaneth this? I want to talk to you tonight about an answer for a confused world. Hallelujah. An answer for a confused world. Somebody say in Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated. Clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise again. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Praise God. Thank you. Brother Clyde for leading us in worship. God has been good to me. And I am grateful for that. So grateful. I was thinking earlier this afternoon, the trip that we made earlier, and um, or to the countries in Europe, and um, all of them that we went to, are enjoying and celebrating some form of democracy now, but it was not always so. We met and conversed with many people there who had grown up under much different circumstances. In particular, there was one guide in the Czech Republic who uh, talked to us a lot about her personal experiences growing up as a child and how that you had to get on a list to get a car. And and back then, the uh, Czech Republic was under communist rule, and they were making cars out of plastic and uh, little old bitty tiny matchbox things. And they would have to get in a line and wait years and years before they could even be qualified to get such a common luxury that all of us understand and and enjoy every day. And I, I will never forget in moments when she would tell us about the history of uh, of her country and what they came out from under, the gratitude that came out of her uh, her thoughts and and her words to us of how. Thankful she was that life was not that way any longer, that they were enjoying great liberties and they didn't really know what to do with them because they had been told what to do and how to live and where they could live. And you could see row after row of these large plain 
gray, drab-looking apartment complexes that the communist regime had built to make everybody common, at least the common people common, the elite. They lived in the lap of luxury, but the common man that they oppressed lived in these drab gray apartments. They only used the color gray because they didn't want any kind of uh, of, of inference or indication that there might be joy in life, that the lot of humanity was to bear the burden and the brunt of the sickle. And, and then when liberty came, those same buildings had been transformed and now they were brightly colored in yellows and greens and and, and different hues of the rainbow that made it feel alive. And when she talked about the difference between then and now, she was so grateful and thankful that what they had had to live through no longer existed. And I listened to her and I thought, oh, sweet lady, I, I wish I could bring you back home with me. And I, I wish I could put you on a tour of our good country and and help you talk to some of our uh, so-called Americans that have grown fat in the lap of luxury and we have become so accustomed to our freedoms and our joys and liberties that we discount them as if they cost nothing or they mean nothing. And I, I fear, I'm, I guess it's my age, but I, I fear that there is much that is being lost today in what it has taken to make us a free country. I am afraid that we live in a world and in a time where people are so quick to tell you that they have rights. I, 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 they, I have rights. I, I have rights. And, and they forget that in order to have rights, you first have to have responsibilities. Amen. Rights without responsibilities produce chaos. And that's why we've got a sick society right now because all they want to talk about are their rights and they don't want to come under the responsibility of acting like a human and living like a decent person. I'm here to tell you tonight that every privilege comes with an obligation and every promise that God gives comes with a command that goes along with that. And if you want to enjoy the blessings of God, you're going to have to learn to come under the burden of the Lord's Word that declares those promises into our lives. And we cannot have rights without understanding that we also have responsibilities. We have lost a lot of meaning in our nation, and it bothers me. I love freedom. I don't know where you could go, where you could really enjoy, like we enjoy the things that we enjoy. Bluebell ice cream. My goodness, you can't find anything like that in the rest of the world. I'm telling you, you there's nothing like that. There's nothing like the freedom of, uh, of apple pie and, uh, and watermelon and, I'm hungry tonight, folks, if you didn't know it already. Amen. The Holy Ghost is talking to me right now. I think we've lost our way, and I, I feel like because we have forgotten the hows and the whys and the cost of what it takes to be free, that we have lost our way as a nation. We 
We cannot explain in the environment in which we now live what all of this means. When we look around and enjoy the common things that we were born into, we we have a hard time explaining them or giving a reason for them. When I was thinking about that today, the Lord quickened to me this verse in Acts chapter 2 and reminded me of the necessity and the obligation of being able to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. To give an answer for the reasons that we are blessed. We're not blessed just because we're pretty or cute or wealthy or, or smart. We're not blessed because we're talented or gifted. We're blessed because the hand of God has been on us. We're blessed because God has smiled upon us. We're blessed because somebody paid a price that we might enjoy what we enjoy today. They say that when President Jimmy Carter was was president of the United States, he took a trip to Europe, and part of that trip took him through the area of Normandy. And they said while he stood there, looking out across that massive graveyard and all of the, the, the stones are aligned in a perfect order and array, They said that great man, the president of the United States, began to weep and tears rolled down his face as he realized afresh the cost of what it took to keep America free and we can enjoy. That's lost to our generation now. And somewhere somebody's got to rise up and begin to remind our country and remind our world of what it took to get here and why we enjoy the things that we enjoy. There is an obligation upon us. There is a responsibility that when we enjoy freedom, we need to give an answer for the freedom that we enjoy. Amen. You're going to get with me one one way or the other tonight. So, (laughs) Amen. We can explain a lot of things, but we cannot explain to this common or this, this, this current environment what all of this means. It comes to a blank canvas. They don't seem to understand, but some of you are here tonight and you still understand what it is. And there's a necessity and obligation. And when I started thinking about that, I, I began to think also about the church and the Lord began to talk to me about an obligation that you and I have uh, in this hour that it, 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 that is ours still and it is a responsibility that we cannot neglect because we live in a world that is confused right now. They don't know what's right. They don't know that there are still principles of righteousness and truth and godliness. And they don't seem to know that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. And so we bounce like a ping pong ball from one election to the next. And we go from extreme liberalism to extreme conservatism. And then we go somewhere in between because we live in a world that is so confused. They don't know what they need and they don't know what is necessary and even needful. And I believe it's the responsibility of a church. Somebody has to have an answer. 
And I said it while ago, I'm going to say it again. I don't believe the answer is in politics. And I'm not against voting. I believe everybody in here needs to vote. If you don't vote, don't gripe. Amen. If you don't go to the polls, don't gripe about who gets elected to the position. Amen. Somebody needs to take a responsibility. But there is an obligation upon us. And it was brought out to me in the question that these men who were observing what was transpiring in that upper room, what, what does this mean? What, what, what is the meaning of all of this noise and clamor? And, and I, I believe that is a question that still deserves an answer. Our world needs to still know what this means and what we are here for and why we are here. We, we better know what that means. We better appreciate it. We better love it. I'm sick and tired of people dumbing church down. I'm tired of trying to make it comfortable for us. We need to make it comfortable for the Holy Ghost. And when we make it comfortable for the Holy Ghost, it'll be all right for all of us as well. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe it's important that we be able to explain. We must give a reason and we must not forget what it means. This Holy Ghost outpouring, this spiritual infusion, these sounds that are heard in this place, the noise that comes out of this building. It's not just lunacy. It's not emotionalism. It's not a bunch of crazy people that have gotten together. It's not some kind of chant or orgy. This is nothing less than an amphitheater of the holy heavenly area where the Lord dwells. And it is in this place that we lift up His name and we exalt Him. And somebody needs to know why we still praise Him like we do. Somebody needs to know why we pray like we do. Well, give me a nod on that one. Amen. There's a reason why we still need to pray. There's a reason why you still need to pray. Not just by yourself, but corporately. There's a reason we still need the Holy Ghost moving in our midst. There's still a reason for us to have services like we had this morning when you can't put an end to it. There needs to be an understanding that that's necessary. It is essential to the confused world that we live in. They don't need another party and they don't need some other kind of fix. They need a power from another world. They need the Holy Ghost. They need the power of His Spirit moving in their lives. When we look at our present situation, I ask myself this afternoon, what would merit the building of such a building as that? To occupy such a prime piece of property with such a vast outlay of Finances and energy and time and labor that would be required to bring that to pass. Unless there was some tremendous reason for us doing it. And I believe there is. Because a confused world 
needs a church that knows what the answer is. Hallelujah. And I declare to you tonight that the world still needs to know the meaning of Pentecost. They need to know that it's not a denomination and it's not a Pentecost, but it is an experience. They need to know what the message of Pentecost represents. They need to know it in your life, in my life, in our life corporately. They need to know why we're on this piece of property. They need to know why we're taking up this space. They need to know why we've got to build that building. Because there's a God in heaven that's still working among men. There's a God in heaven that's still doing miracles. There's a God in heaven that still heals the sick. Well, I was going to try to be a little more subdued tonight, but I don't think I'm going to do it. Amen. I declare to you tonight that the purpose of God is still relevant to our times. And even more so, the darker the night, the brighter the light can shine. And I'm here to tell you right now that our world does not need a watered-down, culturally relevant, they don't need an altered, adjusted, make-me-feel-good preacher. They need to know that there's still a God who has power to transform their life, to break any addiction, to overcome any problem in their life, to free them from any sin that they may be bound by. They need to know that there's still a God who forgives and has mercy and grace and love that is beyond comprehension. They need it unadulterated they needed full of the power of the Holy Ghost hallelujah so what does all this mean tonight what does it mean us being here in this place well first of all it means that God keeps his word God made promises That he was not always going to work with man as he had through the sacrifices of a tabernacle and a priesthood that limited them to only a nearness but not an entering into his presence. And so he inspired Isaiah to write in chapter 28 and verse 11, with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak. To whom he said, this is the rest wherein he may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Ezekiel, he inspired to write, and then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. And you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And I will cleanse you a new heart. Also will I give you and a new spirit. Will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you an heart of flesh. 
And I will put my spirit in you. And cause you to walk in my statute. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. He inspired Joel to write. And it shall come to pass afterward. That I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And then Jesus himself promised in John 7, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. And again in Luke he said, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scripture and saith unto them, Thus it was written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high And when they gathered in that upper room and the power of the Holy Ghost began to be poured out in that place, God stamped His approval and said, I told you, I keep my word. I keep my word to a thousand generation. When I make a covenant, that covenant stands forever. I'm here to tell you tonight, church, that our world needs to know that there's a God that still keeps His Word. That what He said He would do, He still does. He's not a God of the past. He's not a God that was. He's not a God of yesterday. He is a God of today and a God of tomorrow and every other tomorrow. And the world needs to know that. Second thing it means is that miraculous and wonderful things happen when God's people obey Him, or when people obey Him, I should say, and get in one mind with one accord. Oh, <laughs> when we are when we are in that frame of reference. You talk about wondrous things, marvelous things, things you can't explain, but I hate church that I can explain. Before, and I'm going to say it over and over again, but I hate church that I can explain. I like to leave here some nights and say, wow. (laughs) Wow. I I like people to leave here and all they can say is just, wow. Man, wasn't, wasn't God good? Amen. I'm going to tell you something, church. When all of our differences...
have been drowned out in one holy passion and the one consuming magnificent obsession, the Holy Ghost will fall and it will fill the house. When we get over our pettiness and we, we, we get beyond our differences and understand that we have more reasons to stand together than we do to stand apart. That all of us are here by the grace of God and there's not one of us here that's any more holy than the other. We are all sinners that are saved by grace and when we stand together, something mighty begins to happen. Something mighty begins to happen when we stand together. Something powerful takes place. Something mighty moves. Amen. People ask me sometimes, how did you get here? I said, well, it's simple. Not by myself. Amen. Not by myself. I didn't get here because I was talented. I didn't get here because I was good or smart. I didn't get here because I knew more than anybody else. I didn't get here because I was more gifted than anybody else. I got here simply because a long time ago, a hunger got a hold of me. A hunger for revival. A hunger for a move of God. And I've never been satisfied since then. And I don't like people that are satisfied. Please pardon me for saying that. But I I, I get really aggravated when people get satisfied with just the mundane. And they get satisfied with just going through their little little routine. Their one, two, three, petty, you know, petty cake for Jesus numbers. And and then they go on their way. I want church that will shake me. I, I want church that will rock something. I want church that will lose something. I want church where hunger keeps coming up. And you can't put it down. You can't suppress it. I've got to have more. I want more. God has more. God has not done His greatest works yet. The greatest miracles have not, they've not been done yet. You know what I believe? I believe everything God has done in the past, you sum it all up, is just a testimony to what He wants to do right now. Amen. Sometimes we talk about God as if it was some archaic thing, some historical thing. No, no, it's not historical. God's very present. He's here right now. His power is here to save. He showed himself this morning. Amen. I said he filled somebody with the Holy Ghost this morning that was hungry. He'll fill anybody here tonight that's hungry for the Holy Ghost. But when we... We let all of our differences and all our little idiosyncrasies become drowned in one holy passion. And we want to obey Him more than we want to do anything else. Miracles happen. Miracles happen. Miracles happen. I say this often and I say this again. I've pastored long enough to know that people would much rather sacrifice than obey. If I can pay a little extra, give a little extra, as long as I don't have to submit. Well, I'm going to tell you the key to power is in obedience. And the key to deliverance is in obedience. 
And the key to victory is in obedience. He said, go tarry. How long is tarry? However long it takes. We get bored, aggravated if church goes too long. And we're always watching the clock. I wish there was a way we could get beyond that. I don't know if that's possible in this life. Maybe one of these days we will. But I'm looking forward to the time that we don't even realize what time it is. And it's 2.30 or 3.30 in the afternoon. And we are so full of the Holy Ghost. And God's doing so many miraculous things. Nobody's even desired to leave the building. I want that kind of church. You may not. You may be afraid of that. But I'm not. Because that's what our crazy world needs. That's what our confused world needs. Huh. I'm going to tell you what I believe the weakness of the church is. It is when we we fail to hunger after Him. When I was praying last night, I, I was overwhelmed with a sense of hunger, desire. God, I, I, I need more of you. I want more of you. I want to know how to get closer to you. I want to know how to pray deeper. I want to know how to pray more fervently. And I found that the more I hungered for that, the more God activated that. And the more I desired that, the more God poured out on me. And the closer I got to Him, the closer He came to me. I'm here to tell you tonight that when we get in that kind of atmosphere, you cannot stop the miracles from happening. You cannot stop the wondrous things that God's going to do. You cannot stop the work that the Holy Ghost will produce when we get into that atmosphere of hunger. Is there anybody hungry tonight? I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. Hallelujah. I know you're tired, but I'm tired right now. So come on, help me preach for a couple of more minutes. The third thing it means is that prayer, what meaneth this? It means that prayer precedes power. That means more prayer more power. And people who don't pray become the prey. P-R-E-Y of the enemy who does pray. <laughs> he goes about as a nearing line seeking whom he may desire. You better learn how to get on your knees again and call out to the Lord because that's where the secret of power is. It's when we get down on our knees, when we humble ourselves before Him, He will exalt us in due time. I still believe the Word, and the Word says that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, What does that mean? That means get out off your high horse. Put your pride in the closet. Remember one time, Brother C.M. Beckton, one of the most dignified men I've ever been around in my life. I'm telling you, he was a prince of a man. I remember a special service at Life Tabernacle. Holy Ghost began moving in that place, and I looked. Brother C.M. Beckton was down on the floor. Rolling across that platform back one side to the other. I mean, he just kept, you know, we used to be called holy rollers. Now I'm not advocating that. I'm not saying that you got to do that to prove your Holy Ghost, but I am saying something needs to happen to us where pride is taken off the throne and we forget about how good we look and how cool we are 
and we become more interested in how present God is. God's in this place. I want to get down before Him. I want to humble myself. God's in this place. I want to reverence Him. God's in this place. I want to honor Him. I'm not here to see you. I'm here to see Him. I'm here to hear from Him. I want to know what He's got to say to me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will heal their land. Oh God. That is still the promise of God to anyone who will take him at his word. This is not, you hear me tonight. This atmosphere is not sustained by entertainment. As much as I want everything to be done right, and I get aggravated when it's not. This is not sustained by that. It's not sustained by whether they got the words up there or not. It's not sustained by whether they hit the right chords over there. It's not sustained by how well we can vocalize and I love all that. I'm not, I believe we ought to play skillfully before the Lord. I believe we ought to sing to the best of our ability. But this was not produced through entertainment. This was not produced by a program. They didn't get in an upper room and say, okay folks, how can we make this happen? I, years ago I was an evangelist and there was a couple of guys, a, a couple, a man and a wife that traveled around and they were they were aside. They were, they were characters. The preacher wife was one day, and he called him in the auditorium. His wife was telling what she was going to speak in tongues, and he was telling her what he was going to prophesy. And I thought, God, if that's what it takes, I'm in trouble. Amen. We, we, this is not here because we got in the back room and said, "Okay, if we sing that song, if we hit that note." You hit that high, whatever that is on that organ, something's going to happen. People are going to rattle and roll. It came because somebody knelt before service and began to call on the Lord and say, God, we got to have you again tonight. We need a sovereign move of your spirit. We need the hand of God. We need you to move in here and take control. There's situations that we can't solve. There's cancers that we can't heal. There's sickness that we don't know how to deal with. There's problems that we can't answer. We need a sovereign, holy word of God. And we need the move of your presence. And that's what a confused world needs. It needs a, a church that knows how to pray the power down. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. Some of you don't make Saturday night prayer. If you can't make Saturday night prayer, tell me what night you can make prayer and I'll have a prayer meeting on that night. What kind of deal is that? You know what I figured out? We do what we want to do. Oh yeah. You say, well brother, you, you get paid to do this. No, I don't. I did this when I wasn't getting paid. I did it when I was paying it for myself. 
I'm not doing this because of my position. I want it because I know that this is the answer for a confused world. The world is full of churches that have no impact. They have to come up with some new little gimmick every weekend to keep people entertained. One large church in our community, I've been told, that 60% of the crowd every weekend is a new group of people. What I'm saying is, that's not what our world's looking for. Now, they may be a little bit spooked by some things that go on around here, but that's all right. They were spooked on the day of Pentecost. But when they got through giving them an answer, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? I'm telling you, the world wants to know why we are so excited about what we have. They're ex- they they want to know why you have so much joy. They want to know how can you face this adversity and not be discouraged. They want to know why you want to come to church all the time. They want to know why there's joy and singing in you. They want to know. And they deserve to know. God's still alive. Come on, stand with me. I'm going to shut up. What does it mean? It means this. It means that something was started, but it has not been finished. I've read so many commentaries about Acts. uh, So many lame, pathetic excuses. Really, it's all it is. Because they don't have it. They just figure it was only for that day. It was just some phenomena. And they use the excuse that, well, they all, they heard them speak in their own native language. The Lord gave me a revelation the other day. I'm going to tell you something. This is my personal belief. If this is not right, go check it out with Brother Twinier. He probably could straighten me out about this. But You know what I believe happened? I believe that when the Holy Ghost started being poured out, they began to speak with tongues, heavenly language. And God allowed the ears of the Parthians and the Medes to hear that translated in their own language. That's the phenomena of Pentecost. It's supernatural. You can't understand it. One Chinese, one Japanese, one German, one French. And when the Holy Ghost begins to be poured out, they can understand something. What, 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 what is that? That's the power of God. I was preaching in South America a few years back. One night in the crusade, a person received the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in fluent English and didn't know one word of English. And I stood there and I, I listened to that. I thought, oh, Lord, you're so mighty. You're so powerful. There's no way you can explain that. There's no way you can fully understand or grasp that. You just need to experience it. What I believe happens is that when the Holy Ghost begins to move, God speaks in a language that everybody can understand. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter your level of understanding. It doesn't matter your education that when the Holy Ghost begins to move, 
God begins to talk to you in your in the language that you understand. Now that's just me. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that the the Lord has given us the opportunity to forgive to present a message to the world. We have an obligation, church. There's a reason why we keep having church on Sunday night. Man, there's a reason for that. It's not just so we can take up your time because we're afraid you might do something else. We ought to be here. The Bible said that we should gather together so much the more as we see that day approaching. What day? The day of the coming of the Lord. We shouldn't have less church. But when we come through these doors, when we wake up in the morning, we need to wake up with this understanding that we live in a confused world that all they want to know is, what does this mean? What, 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 what does this mean? What, what's happening? All of these signs and all of these strange events that are going on, all of these earthquakes and tremors and, and wars, and what's, what does all that mean? It's working. It means you and I have the opportunity to say it means the Lord is working. It means the Lord is moving. It means the Lord is getting ready for the next great event. And that is His return. Hallelujah. They deserve to know that. And we have the opportunity. That's why we need to build that building. That's why that needs to be put up as quickly as we can get it up. Not so we can pride ourselves and brag about what we've done, but because we live in a confused world that needs to know God is the answer. He's still the answer. He has the answer to every problem in their life. And we can never forget that. We can never lose sight of that. We can never lose grips with that. Amen. I feel such a burden in my heart tonight. I wish I could. I've screamed a lot. I don't know how well I preach to you tonight. But I, there, there's, a, there's a hunger in me. Something is troubling me. I, I've never wanted a deeper hunger for the things of God than I do right now. I've never wanted God to do greater things than I do right now. There's not been in my life a time when I have wanted God to use me in a greater way. There's just something, a passion, a hunger. God, I know that you have more. We haven't even scratched the surface. Brother, Brother Cox, I still remember the dream that God gave you of a church where people were coming from every direction. The sanctuary was filled. The foyer was filled. And they were still coming from every direction. You say, that's just a fantasy. No, it's not a fantasy. It's God speaking the possibility of what can happen in this place when we get in one mind. When we come together with one accord. When we pray. Oh, and when we let the power when we let the Holy Ghost fall in this place. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what some of you better do. You better go home and start practicing your dance. Because we're going to have a breakout service pretty soon. And if I have to come and get you by the hand, we're going to learn how to dance before the Lord again. Oh, yeah. 
He said, no, no, not me, Brother Hughes. I'm too dignified. These men are not drunken as ye suppose. Oh, they own something. (laughs) They drank something. But it wasn't hooch. It was Holy Ghost. (laughs) Hallelujah. Some of you don't even know what hooch is. That's bootleg liquor. I don't want anything bootlegged. I want the real thing. I want Holy Ghost. I want these guys to know what it means. I want these young ladies to know what it means. I want our children to know why we do all this. And it's up to us to be able to explain to them why we're so excited. And why once you reach God can do anything. Amen. Once you reach over and grab your friends by the hand. I, I feel like the Lord wants to help us tonight. Come on. I know you're tired. I'm, I, and, and it's, it's late. So we're going to come out. We're, we're going to close this service with a great prayer together. Come on. Pray with me right now. God, help us. To, help us to get reconnected to what really matters. To the things of God that count. Help us to remember God where the power begins. Where the source of our Our victory is where the source of our liberty is. Our freedom, our joy, our peace. Oh, hallelujah.